All right, welcome to Spiniverse. As Ryan uh, suggested earlier, we should do previously on Spiniverse to recap any listeners on what happened in last season's episodes. Um, but uh, we're here all hanging out. So I'm going to do sort of a po- traditional podcast intro here if we do podcast this thing, put it up. Um, and uh, we'll just go around, say our names. I'm Rabbi Josh. I'm the Hill Director at Goucher College. And uh, Ryan, you're up. I'm Ryan Ornstein. I'm one of the co-presidents for Goucher Hillel. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm Maya Wittenberg. I also use she, her pronouns, and I'm the other co-president of Hillel. My name is Leah Sawyer. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the former co-president of Hillel. This year, I'm just chilling. Just chilling. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to be chilling with y'all, doing a little Torah study, and um, really psyched to just be jumping right back into this. So um, we just... uh, I threw a lot together on this sheet. I think we're going to do a hard stop at 540 today, just, you know, so everybody's got time to get to their evening classes and stuff like that. But um, I think we're going to do the first chunk here and then like the last chunk. And um, really the way this works, Maya, you know, as a first timer to the, to the Spiniverse world is pretty much like any typical kind of text study format somebody reads when we want to, we stop, we ask questions, we comment, we all say, Hey, what do you think of this? And really, that's the whole thing. It's hot takes on the Torah. Uh-huh. Um, hot takes on a 4,000-year-old document, you know? And uh, and how it still might have some relevance to us today. And I think one thing important to mention is, like, anything's kosher. You can disagree with the text. You can say, I'm offended by this. You can say, well, here's what I always thought about this. Or I disagree with what you're saying about this. As long as we can have respectful conversation among each other, we really want to hear your different opinions and just jump in here and have our voices be um, part of the voices of, of the tradition because that's what Judaism is about. We all comment and disagree and do all that stuff. So without further ado, who wants to start us out with the beginning of the Torah? I, I know. Yes, do no. it. This was my bat mitzvah portion, Um, but I'll read it in English. (laughs) When God began to create heaven and earth, the earth being unformed and void with darkness over the surface of the deep and a wind from God sweeping over the water, God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and called the darkness night. And there was evening and there was morning, a first day. I have a question already. Yes. What was God doing before this? Oh, well, that is a really good question. And there's never actually- thought of that before, but like I was reading this and I was like, this does not sound like God just came into existence. Yeah. And was there a before this? Was there even a time, you know? <laughs> um, there's a lot of different explanations. Any, any of you guys heard anything on this one? What do you think? I mean, right. Like, I, I can tell you, like, the Midrash. I can't tell you, like, what actually happened. And look, mm-hmm. I mean, obvi- maybe obvious, but jumping into some of this, you know, one of the questions we can certainly have is, like, you know, literal, is this history we're reading here? Is it myth? Is it what do we believe? Um, is it, you know, all, all of that. But according to some texts, the actual the idea was, like, God created many different universes before this one. Right. (laughs) Um, And this is just the beginning of our story, but there may be six different creations. There may be, you know, like 
seven, whatever, or maybe, you know, thousands, who knows exactly. Um, but yeah, where are those stories? Yeah, I, well, some, that's a good question. I mean, if the universes were destroyed, as which is part of the story, um, then um, then we don't have them, right? Like the there were no nobody to tell those stories. There's one really kids book I feel like I've referenced before in this podcast called "And Then There Were Dinosaurs" that I love. Um, that I remember reading, like you know, um, when my kids were young. Um, it's like a claymation kind of thing, and it talks about like the world of dinosaurs as if that was kind of like the creation before us, right? Like the different eras, Mesozoic era or whatever. Um, and that like then like the dinosaurs were mean to each other and they started eating each other and then that's what god was like nope and then and then <laughs> yeah. there were people <laughs> so i don't know you know um but there's a lot of jewish philosophers that talk about this like did god what did god create with like was there just stuff that was already around and if there was stuff that was already around what do you mean like how could there be anything besides god if god could be is everything and ah you know brain break <laughs> um <laughs> so wondered that like yeah. if god was here what was here before because then there's all the the theories of evolution and the big bang and this but then no well, there was void with darkness over the surface of the deep so space <laughs> sounds like space i right? guess but right, like, so that's one thing you can do what you're doing right now maya which is to take the creation story and to overlay it over what we know from science today um and you can make it work sometimes and sometimes it doesn't work, you know? Um, but yeah, the, in this one, there's there's some stuff that might work here, right? The idea that like, what was, the, it's the same, similar question. What happened the moment before the Big Bang? If the Big Bang is the beginning of our universe as we know it. And none of us knows a satisfactory answer to that question either, unless you guys do. And I haven't watched enough of the Big Bang Theory to <laughs> know whether that was addressed in the show. So, yeah. And if we created light, light on what? Because if there's just light and day, but there's nothing to like revolve that around, then what? Like, I know that came later. I know that. But like, it's like instead of a dark void, it was a light void. So then there's a dark void all again. Of space, like all of that area became light. Yeah, I think that that is one take on it, that it was like undifferentiated light and then darkness because the sun and the moon and the stars and stuff aren't created until later. Right. But it is interesting that they would start with that because they could have started with, you know, like the earth and space or land and sea. I, I think, and I don't know, we have to, I guess we have to would go into more on like who wrote the tour and all that good stuff. But I think it's quite interesting the how long it kind of takes him to mention that it was day and night. Like it's just lightness and darkness, which in a lot of terms is like good and evil. And like, we know that the moon, the sun, and the stars are all other sources of light. So I think it's really interesting that it talks about creating lightness and darkness, but it doesn't mention day and it doesn't mention night until, like, he's already said he separated them. He made one, then the other. Right. Although it does say in that previous verse that there was darkness over the face of the deep. Right? Um so like there's a sense like a pre-existent darkness and that god's bringing light into it so that's where that whole kabbalistic like creation story comes from the idea that like god injects some of god's light into like the universe that was previously dark why um, is it because at this point it was like a title or a name for the light because on here the words night 
and day are capitalized. Is that because that's like what God gave as the formal name to the presence of light and the presence of darkness, almost as if it's like a, a proper noun? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure I know the answer to that one. So much about grammar. (laughs) Wow. Good one. Yeah. Why do they capitalize those words? I mean, like in a sense, maybe capitalizing it brings it more like value. Mm -hmm. But then also you're saying like it's a gift and God made it. So it's like it should be praised. I'm going to start doing that in my own writing. And if the teacher marks it as wrong, I'm going to say, no, you're wrong. God (laughs) created grammar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's all yeah it's all uh arbitrary anyway right um so rashi has a very so rashi has a question um which is a question that the midrash asked before so rashi's a, t- a 10th century 11th century french commentator on the torah probably one of the most well-known commentators i have a really silly dad joke about commentators i'm not going to tell um but if you want it some other time I'll, I'll put it in the outtakes Um, so, um, Rashi asks a question. Rashi basically takes a lot of previous comments around the Torah and does sort of a best of. So if you see Rashi's commentary, a lot of it's not his own like ideas. It's he's like quoting from and taking like a reader's digest version of for Cliff's notes version of spark notes, maybe of the, all the comments that came before. So the question he is trying to answer here is why does the Torah start this way at all? Like, why are we starting with this story of creation? Like, I don't know. Um, so anybody want to read the, that Rashi and give it a go? The next thing. Yeah. Wait, I actually have one more question. Oh, good. So, like, I love questions. Before, before you answered Leah's question, you were mentioning, like, he sh- God shined light on the universe. But mm. then if we, like, backtrack what the universe is, the universe is, like, all the planets and everything within, our like, the Milky Way. So, like... In a sense, it sounds like God was the sun before there was the sun. Or like he brought a form of the sun before the sun and then created. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm just getting mixed up in the words you were saying, but like that's what I was thinking. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. God okay. before gave light to everything and then God got tired of it. So God made the sun to do it for God. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. Delegation. <laughs> outsourcing. That's outsourcing. And then and that's the way to capital. The sun is outsourcing. It's amazing. Awesome. No, God is outsourcing. Right. To the sun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Right. It's too much to be shining that light all the time, you know. God I don't worry about. True. All right, let's see what Rashi says. Maya, you want to go on this one? Oh, I was going to let Ryan take it away. No, oh, okay, we'll go for it, Ryan. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Maya. Super generous of you. Of course. Um, okay. In the beginning, Rabbi Isaac said, the Torah, which is the law book of Israel, should have commenced with the verse Exodus chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, This month shall be unto you the first of the months, which is the first commandment given to Israel. What is the reason then that it commences with the account of creation? Because of the thought expressed in the text, he declared to his people the strength of his works. Oh, hold up. I was reading it from somewhere else. Oh, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. I got to find it. I was trying to, I'll try and pull it up on screen to make this easier. Um, It's okay. Um, in order that he might give them the heritage of the nations, 
For should the people of the world say to Israel, you are robbers because you took by force the lands of the seven nations of Canaan, Israel may reply to them, all the earth belongs to the Holy One. Blessed be he, he created it and gave it to whom he pleased. When he willed, he gave it to them. And when he willed, he took it from them and gave it to us. Hmm. Okay. That's pretty, uh, there's a lot there. <laughs> um, all right. So what is this saying and what are your reactions to it? I uh, taking it at very face value with, with what the words say, just what like your I guess your kind of gut reaction to them would be. It's very um, it's very kind of harsh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very like I, I think it's meant to be comforting and like oh well you know we can only control so much. It's not it's not our fault. You like. I it's almost I don't know if this was his intent, but it sounds like it's using God as kind of like a cop out. Like God's the one who took away your lands, not us with weapons or vice versa, you know, like on the other side, if they were like, well, it's a holy war because God said we should do it like. I don't know, man. We're outsourcing our blame. <laughs> outsourcing the blame is yeah, a little. With that thing. Interesting. Okay. All right. Any other takes? I mean, I'm still looking at the first line because I don't know why. I've gone to Jewish school my whole life, but for some reason I've never seen or or interpreted the Torah as the law book of Israel. But then that makes me think if it's a law book of Israel, why how would it not be in favor of Israel? So I mean, it all makes sense in a sense. Yeah. By the way, that that uh, italicized text is added in. It should probably be a parenthesis around it. It's not in the Hebrew exactly. It basically, the Hebrew says, um, shouldn't the Torah have begun with this? Because that's the first mitzvah, right? So if the Torah is really the essence of the Torah, if you boil it down, it should be like the, you know, the bullet points of the Torah are the mitzvot of which there are 613. It's like, why, why all these stories? We don't need that. We just need to know what we should do. And, and which is kind of ridiculous in its own assertion, right? Because the Torah is not just a law book, like, I, which I agree with you. If you went to Jewish school and you have never heard of it, I've never heard of it. it's not, that's because it's not just a law book, right? It's narrative. It's, it's uh you know, interpretation. It's like human experience. There's a lot that's in there. Um, but this is basically saying like, okay, it starts this way because it's giving us this sense of ownership of the land, though it's not really ownership of the land. It's stewardship of the land because God's really the one who owns the land. Um, yeah. And it does definitely have some, uh, I don't know that it's the argument that anybody that we really, that like I would, would hold a lot of water in common conversation around Israel, Palestine, and, uh, you know, political conversation today, um, depending on who you're talking to. But I think it, it's, it's interesting that Rashi would go this way, this way and talk about it this way. Yeah. I don't know. It's the kind of thing that makes me think of, I don't know why I thought this when I was a kid, like what if, um, what happens, you know, one day when the planet, you know, something happens with the planet. Let's say the planet blows up. Let's say, you know, the the sun, whatever. Like, does Israel go into space, you know, 
Like, and does it still become ours? And like, does God, do, you know, like what happens there too? I don't know why, but I think bet- between this and the original universal context that you were talking about, it's the kind of thing that makes me think about like, you know, what is our fate in the universe? Not just to the land. Uh, so then what you're saying that Israel is separate from the world. Right. 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 And that's kind of what it, it's like this idea that God is like picking this one place out of all of the rest of the world um, is it's an interesting move, you know? Um, all right. So we said we we're going to stop at 540 and we wanted to get to this Lilith piece and it's a lot. So I'm going to kind of jump us ahead um, from the universe to a particular human being and talking particularly about how the Torah and tradition sees women um, and this whole story about Lilith. So a tiny bit of context here is basically, I'm going to skip over the the creation story in Genesis 2, but you probably know, you know, this whole idea that Adam um, is the first man or person, although it's not clear actually if Adam is a man or is sort of androgynous or hermaphroditic and has kind of aspects of both male and female to him, because it says basically that God takes a rib from Adam. It could also mean the side of Adam. There's different midrashim that say basically like God was both male, Adam was both male and female, and he was split into two. Um, and that the second one became like one became Adam, one became Eve. Um, but there's this whole other story of this other woman who preceded Eve as the first woman, and she's known as Lilith. So um, I'm jumping ahead to that about Lilith. So this story comes from Ben Sira, which is one version of, of the Lilith story. Um, that is a, this is a, it's kind of a sarcastic uh, text that comes from like the 10th or 11th century. Um, really interesting if you want to read it and kind of, you know, it's like the Mel Brooks of its time, but also it has like meaningful stuff in it. It's really interesting. Um, okay. So uh, Maya, I think you're up with this one. Yes. Okay. We can skip the first part, the first sentence with the weird angel's names and just go to while okay. God created Adam. Yeah. Well, God created Adam who was alone. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. He was, uh, he also created a woman from the earth as he created Adam himself and called her Lilith. Adam and Lilith immediately began to fight. She said, I will not lie below. And he said, I will not lie beneath you, but only on top for you are fit only to be in the bottom position while I'm to be the superior one. Lilith responded, we're equal to each other. In as much. In as, oh, thank you. In as much as we were both created from earth, but they would not listen to one another. When Lilith saw, when Lilith saw this, she, she pronounced the inf- uh, ineffable, thank you, ineffable name, and flew away into the air. Adam stood in. Ah, sorry, just trying to come down. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, Adam stood. Thank you. In prayers before his Creator, Sovereign of the Universe, he said, "The woman who gave me has run away." At once, the Holy Land, blessed be He, sent He, sent these three angels to bring her back. Said to the Holy One, to Adam, "If she agrees to come back, what is made?" What is made is good. If not, she must permit 100 of her children to die every day. All right, I'm scrolling down again. Give me a sec. Okay. Yep. The angels left God and pursued Lilith, whom they overtook in the midst of the sea, in the mighty 
waters wherein the Egyptians were destined to drown. They told her God's words, but she did not wish to return. The angel said, we shall drown you in the sea. Leave me, she said. I was created only to cause sickness to infants. If the infant is male, I have domination over him for eight days after his birth and a female for 20 days. When the angels heard Lilith's words, they insisted she go back. She swore to them the name of the living and eternal God. Whenever I see you or your names or your forms in an amulet, amulet, thank you, I will have no power over the infant. She also agreed. She also agreed to have one hundred of her children die every day. Accordingly, every day one hundred demons perish, and for the same reason, we write the angels' names on the amulet of young children. When Lilith, see, when Lilith sees their name, she remembers her oath and the child recovers. Yeah, so, that, so there's that story. Lilith was like the first feminist. Right. Adam, like, I'm better than you. And she's like, nah, it's a nice try. You go, girl. <laughs> yeah. Wait, yeah, I have I have to question something. I've yes. also, maybe I just don't remember, but I also don't remember Eve being called Lilith. It's a different person, right? It's so a it different is- person. We're okay, not talking okay. about Eve. We're talking about pre-Eve. Like, this is like Eve was the second version. God only did that whole rib splitting thing after Lilith ran away. Huh. Right? So like, and there's this whole other thing about women being, <laughs> right? Even the name woman is like taken from man, you know, back to this story. So, you know, which is why I think many people now will use, you know, W-O-M-Y-N, you know, rather than women. Um, but the name. But Lilith is sort of like created equal because she also comes from the dust, just like Adam, and she's an independent creation in and of herself. But then all of a sudden she's sort of a demon. Um and um and has this power over infants and all of that you know it's like she's separate now from the human race um simply because she didn't want to be subservient to adam um in any way um, i don't blame her why would she want to do what he said yeah it's like when people are like vashti sucks when vashti was just trying to do her own thing exactly like that's a good comparison yeah <laughs> and vashti the older you get the more you know vashti's the better one in that story yeah Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's this. Uh, so to end here, there's a, a a song right now. I'm not sure I can if I can play the song and it'll work here. Maybe I can. Maybe that'll work. Maybe that's what I should do. We can listen to it and say if we have any other hot takes on the song. All right. Let me see if I can do this. I got to do the make sure. See if you can hear it. I can hear it. I can't hear anything right now. I can hear it. <laughs> Can you hear it? No. Did you share your sound when you shared your screen? I did not, but that would also mean I should be able to hear it. Um, all right, let's do a new share on this. Oh, man. really wish my dog would calm down. Um, <laughs> While you're figuring this out, I'll comment on... Please, please, yes. The... Uh, I, I think it's quite telling, um, even without being explicitly stated, that 
Lilith's children's are demons because they weren't conceived of Adam or not how God intended. That's a good follow-up question. Lisa, if where they, they didn't come, come from? from Adam, did they just like appear? Well, because are we following? That's a good question. Well, well it is real independent. One thing Maybe I will God. say is that, um, look, I'm, you know, in the age before we really knew about like virology or bacteria, um, the, the folk tradition around like disease and death um, was often, you know, understood as demons. Like these, these demons are all around us and these demons cause sickness and especially with infants when they're vulnerable. Um, so I think there's some of that. I mean, it doesn't explain away the um, misogyny, clear, very clear misogyny that's here. Um, and nevertheless, so, all right, let me see if this works this time. I can't share the here. I'm just gonna, we're gonna read the lyrics and see if I can do that. It was working. Well, we can hear it, yeah. Oh, you could hear it, but I can't hear it? That's awesome. That's interesting, interesting. Oh, okay, all right, all right, I'm starting over. Tell me how it sounds like. <laughs> we are androgynous, double-faced beings. One looking forward and one looking back. Yeah, so I don't know any reaction to that. I'm just looking. I'm gonna pull up the lyrics on the screen. You know, it was catchy. What is androgynous? Mean? <laughs> oh shit! What does that mean? <laughs> no, I really want to hear it. Yeah, it was catchy. Yeah. So what does androgynous mean? I, I'm I'm forgetting. Sort of. Uh, so andro means male and uh, gyne means female. So I think it's the idea of someone or something that contains aspects of both male and female. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I guess really the question is like, can we reclaim Lilith yeah. within Jewish tradition? I was saying at the beginning of this, like there, there's a Jewish feminist magazine called Lilith that's been around for, for you know decades now. Um, and um, you know, can we see something that was literally demonized, <laughs> right? Literally um, in in like female empowerment and equality, um, and turn it around into something that we can take positive meaning from from a jewish tradition you know so yeah i want to know what you guys think i'm wondering if like because now i'm thinking about lilith having both like female qualities and male qualities i wonder if her pushback was kind of like seen as like a male uh, uh quality uh what's the word characteristic uh-huh 
because she kind of like inserted herself instead of like just like obeying as in like traditional gender norms like a woman is supposed to listen and and just do instead of question and instead of like fight back Mm -hmm. that's what i'm thinking about because like what other features or qualities or parts of her were seen as like masculine or male yeah i mean i think what stands out to me from the story too is that um if i want to try and find the, the positive it's like wow what a high price she had to agree to pay like a hundred of her children had to die every day and that she had to like stop at the amulet you know these amulets and like but at the same time like the price was for independence for non-subservience for the idea that women can live on their own without needing to be subjects of or related to men um that there is something that's really like deeply empowering in that and also really challenging about the ways that I think still in our society, um, we still deal with some of these, these same issues, glass ceilings, um, paradigms and ways that women don't have that same independence in many situations. Um, that there are dangers, you know, sometimes and halavai, we should live to a day when that's no longer the case, you know, I'll just note the time because I know people have things they need to be at. Fair enough. I think it's a good time time to to stop. We're never going to be done because it's the Torah, right? Keeps going. All right. Thank you guys for an awesome initial spiniverse. Same time next week. Do you want to jump ahead to the next parsha? Do more within Sheet? What are you thinking? Next parsha would be Noah. So we take it. I think we should jump it. Yeah, to Noah definitely. Noah, let's do it. All right. Love those dark. God said to Noah, do break that out next week. And also, death of everyone. Oh, yeah, that's it, right? (laughs) All right, everybody. (laughs) An early Shabbat Shalom. Spiniverse is a production of Goucher Hillel. If you'd like to look at the text that we've been studying today, take a look at the link in our episode description. Have a wonderful week.